And so as we can collect data real time about our members in the home, in the ecosystem, we can understand who's doing well. We can then lay that and say, are they taking their meds? What meds are they taking? Right, and, and kind of create that two by two, right? Doing well, taking meds, check. Not doing well, not taking meds, different solution. So we've built the pipeline to then give that information back to providers. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we talk about the entrepreneurs shaping the future of health and the health moonshots they're working to achieve. I'm Logan Plaster, Editor-in-Chief at Startup Health. On August 5th, it was announced that the telemedicine company Teladoc and Lavongo, a remote health management company, were merging. The deal pegged Lavongo's value at a whopping $18.5 billion, and with their powers combined, the merger created a new remote health juggernaut of a company valued at $37 billion. This is the third largest U.S. deal in any sector for 2020, and it followed closely after Startup Health's mid-year insights report showed that 2020 was on pace for a record-setting year in health innovation funding. There's a lot that's been said and written in the last week about how this Teladoc-Lavongo merger sets a new bar in health tech valuations and turns a new page on how society values health innovation. At Startup Health, we see it as a significant affirmation of the work that we and so many have done in digital health for decades. We also see it as just the beginning of a new wave of critical health investment. On this week's podcast, we wanted to share some context on the Teladoc-Lavongo merger by throwing it back to January 2020, when Jennifer Schneider, president of Lavongo, took the stage at the Startup Health Festival. She was interviewed by Arunduti Parmer, editor-in-chief at MedCity News, and the conversation provides an excellent look at what Lavongo has built and what made it such an appealing target for Teladoc. With that, turn it over to Jennifer Schneider, who you'll hear first on the conversation. Enjoy. For those of you who do not know Livongo, um, we are a company about empowering people with chronic conditions to live better and healthier lives. And we do that by marrying connected technology to data science to create incredibly personalized nudges that change behavior and then wrap around a services arm, so a human touch when it's needed. And in doing so, we've been able to demonstrate net promoter scores in the mid-60s, sustained published clinical results across our products, and cost savings. So we announced yesterday um, a partnership with Dexcom. Dexcom is a CGM. Um, continuous glucose monitor, hands up in the audience for anyone who's worn a CGM. So I, I have one on, the, the plan was for me to show it, but it turns out it's under my dress on my hip, so we're gonna um, save that for afterward. <laughs> um, but really, it's, it's a device that passively collects data. So for those of us with diabetes or those of us monitoring our blood glucose value, every five minutes you're updated with a real-time ping of data. So the ecosystem of people in Livongo's platform is about 10 to 20% of our members use continuous glucose monitors. So think about that. They have the Livongo blood glucose meter where you do a finger stick and still 10 to 20% use intermittent or continuous continuous glucose monitors, right? So those of you, the hands up in the audience understand these are wonderful devices. They're hard to keep on 24 by seven by 365. And so the combination is great. But the real power here in the partnership comes from leveraging that data from Dexcom and the insights that we can drive to give to the member. So in a CGM, you're collecting 
testing data, marrying that with our insights across trends and patterns, across what words change behavior, across our other conditions such as hypertension and weight management will help really give the member a better outcome and therefore reduce clinical costs overall. So really excited to be partnered with the leading, one of the leading CGM people in the industry, Dexcom. Absolutely, and um, to give it a little bit of context, I was lucky enough to interview the CEO of Dexcom yesterday and he's excited, he looks upon this as a data sharing partnership. And what's really interesting is CGM largely has been worn traditionally by folks that are type one diabetes patients. It's a far difficult disease to manage and they've established that CGM is actually the best way to have better control over your um, glucose levels. And now they are trying to wade into the larger type two diabetes world, which is where Livongo's large patient base comes in. Um, so they are looking forward to gain insight about your consumer and hopefully to coax them away from glucometers and into the world of CGM. So I thought that was really interesting. But let's continue on that theme of collaboration. Of course, this is not the only company that you, you're working with. You also work with payers. And, uh, but how do you look at working with providers? Have you worked with any providers? And what has been your takeaway? Sure. So. Um, I'm going to start with the philosophy of where we started Livongo was to um, solve for the person with the chronic condition. So who remembers travel agents? Anyone remember going to a travel agent? Yeah, the industry made a bet that if they flipped the computer screen around, you all could figure it out, right? They kind of gave you the information. So similarly, for people with chronic conditions, we've put the paradigm on its head and we've built a system that empowers people with chronic conditions, and we did that by understanding their pain points. Providers play a very important role for people with chronic conditions because they what? They write the script, they prescribe medications, right? And so as we can collect data real time about our members in the home, in the ecosystem, we can understand who's doing well. We can then lay that and say, are they taking their meds? What meds are they taking, right? And, and kind of create that two by two, right? Doing well, taking meds, check. Not doing well, not taking meds, different solution. Not doing well and taking meds, hmm, that's an interesting one, right? We need to change medications. So we've built the pipeline to then give that information back to providers. From a go-to-market strategy, it turns out that providers are often some of the largest employers in any geography. So they have the same problems that large self-insured employers do, high medical costs, absenteeism, productivity issues. So a lot of our provider relationships early on work as customers, as large self-insured employers. And that gives them the opportunity to understand what we're doing, to then think about delivering that through their ecosystem to their provider, to, or their patient channels. Before I go on, I wanted to say that we won't have a dedicated Q&A at the end, but please, it's a small enough audience that you can just wave your hand and someone will run in with a, uh, with a mic and you can ask your question. And we both have um, eight and 10 year olds and so we're used to not finishing sentences, so please interrupt us. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, what I'm asking, do you sometimes for employers provide your service on an outcome, percentage of outcome savings basis? It's a great question. So our business model, the way it's structured, is we're a per participant per month. We only get paid when people are using, actively using the service. We have some components that have some performance guarantees around clinical outcomes, as well as some cost savings. 
When you look at our financial return on investment for diabetes in year one, it's north of $1,900 per member per year. So the financial return on investment in year one is greater than 3.03x. So when we start to talk about shared savings, many of our clients actually say that they'd rather, they'd rather just kind of keep that themselves rather than go into a shared savings model. And we're at a stage now where we have you know, over 700 uh, large customers and 208,000 members on the diabetes solution. So we're, we're at scale and have some pretty good um, experience. So moving on um, a little bit from that, most of your um, customers are, are employers or payers or both? Most of our customers are employers mm -hmm. and or payers. Okay. Nice way to answer that. <laughs> so we, st we started in the large self-insured employer business um, because they're faster to move, gathered proof points, and have really started to penetrate not just the payer markets, but the government markets as well. So you may have seen our FEP announcement, Federal Employee Program. Yes. Over 5 million covered lives, so big, big win for us. So I'm just curious, again, going back to my conversation with Kevin Sayer, uh, CEO of Dexcom, he was talking about how so far they've been a sensor company and now they want to really become consumer oriented and have direct to consumer offerings. And I'm wondering while the market has received the news between you guys, this partnership positively, because now this is a way of you bringing um, them into the fold and then you can also extend CGMs um, to your uh, customer base. But I'm wondering once they gain insight into the type two customer base that you have painstakingly developed, what is preventing them from going straight to United Healthcare and say, hey, we have all this information, we have the device, we have the software, we have the data, come to us. Will employers then pay for both Livongo and Dexcom? So I think that um, the beauty of the partnership is we both have strengths. Dexcom is an incredible device company. They've built an incredible user-friendly device. We've built the data science engine around what to do with the data that's collected to then give nudges back to a member. As we look at the advantage point, um, as the continuous glucose monitors penetrate the population of people with type 2 diabetes, remember, diabetes is massive, 32 million, 32 million people in America, right? 95% of that 32 million have type 2, right? And so Dexcom's had incredible success predominantly in the type 1. We have the ability to monitor people on finger sticks and notice who's not doing well, who will benefit, and then offer a continuous glucose monitor. So I don't see this as either or, I see this absolutely together. And our ability to drive the insights from the data engine and then wrap around that services component is very complementary to the device component that Dexcom has done. Um, and again, it fits across people with type 2 diabetes have to think about more than blood glucose. They have to think about blood pressure. They have to think about lipids. They have to think about weight. And those are solutions that the Livongo service offers today. So again, a very strong partnership. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you'll see this as, the, as we're in phase one of what will come. And so really eager to share that. It's a question right there. So, so how do you... Um how do you advise the patients to work with their doctors? So when you look at somebody like a Verta Health and they say, well, we'll be your doctor also. Otherwise, the patients have to have the capability to go in and explain, look, you know, I decided to eat only meat and green vegetables and I'm going to need less blood pressure and, and, and insulin. And the doctor may or may not think that's a good idea. 
Yeah, so I'm going to start by, so I have type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was 12. I would go to the doctor. I'd see the doctor for 30 minutes, four times a year. I would manually write down my blood glucose values. I'd show up on July 7th, and he'd look back and say, March 18th, what happened? Circle a number. I'd have no, I'd have, I mean, like, so, so then I realized I would just go the next time and just make up a bunch of numbers and a chart and a sheet of paper because it didn't really matter. The reason I say that is because the ability for a doc to influence day-to-day -day decisions and outcomes for a member or for a person with a chronic condition is just not realistic, right? So what we've done is said, you know, for the person with, the, with diabetes, every time they check their blood glucose, every time they give us a piece of information, we give them something valuable right back in the moment. Cellular connected, cellular connected technology, you're at the screen. The message comes right back to the screen right after you checked. It doesn't come five minutes later to your phone. It comes right away. And so this idea around delivering information value back to the person with a chronic condition allows us to reach that person at the right time. Doctors actually love that, right? Docs are saying, oh, for the first time I'm managing a population, I'm held responsible for getting this panel to a clinical guideline, but I don't have access to them when they're not in my office for 15 minutes four times a year. Well, so how do you manage those sort of folks so they don't sort of go off and running with all your green foods and then you know, have a problem. Yeah, so I, so I would say the ketogenic diet, and you're re referring to a company that this is kind of the stake that they've claimed to cure diabetes with this, is a fad-based diet that's high in protein and high in um, fats. Um, it's been shown to have increased cardiovascular, um, de out poor outcomes uh, down the road. And so it's, it's something that people can adapt for a while. That is not the stance. We don't prescribe that per se. Some of our members may choose to do that. And when they do, we have the ability to check the blood glucose values and have the coaching interact with that actual member. But we're not, pre we're not um, prescribing anything outside of the medical arena. We're not doing things that need a prescribing pattern. We're not, you know, we were talking about earlier this idea around digital therapeutics. We're, we're not a therapeutic, digital therapeutic where you need to write a prescription, go see your doctor to then access Livongo. Livongo has taken the approach that we can empower people with chronic conditions because people make choices. You, you are people, you make choices. Did you have the cookie? Did you have the salad? Did you have the chicken wrap? Did you have the real Coke or the Diet Coke upstairs? What did you do? Those influence your outcomes, right? We're betting that we can influence the individual person and help them manage the same way that travel agents, right, have flipped the screens and we believe that we're smart enough to do it. We believe that you all are smart enough with the right tools to manage chronic conditions. So I'm going to push back slightly on that. Um, there have been several studies now out there that are talking about how employers are continuing to invest in employment benefit programs, especially on the health and wellness side, and they are not seeing results. How do you change that narrative? Can you change that narrative? Absolutely. And so the reason Livongo is successful, the reason we are at scale of over 700 clients with re client renewal rates of 96% is because we're able to show three outcomes consistently across our product lines. First one is net promoter score. People using our product love it, not like it. Love it. If they don't love it, they won't use it. Our net promoter scores compete with the likes of Netflix and Amazon, so that's why we're based out of Silicon Valley. The second is sustained, measurable, published clinical outcomes, and so we've been able to demonstrate this in the academic literature, publishing A1C reduction, blood pressure reduction by using our service, equivalent to starting a new medication, loss of weight, improvements in anxiety and depression. 
But most important when it comes to selling, I think this is where you're going, and frankly renewing, is do we show a financial return on investment? When you look at our year one results, we are distinctly different in being able to show that. When we talk about the type of company we are, we call ourselves an applied health signal company because we have built this data infrastructure to drive these outcomes that no one else has been able to do in the ecosystem. That is why we've been successful at getting to scale and continuing to keep our customers. So we have Milliman validated methodology, multiple publications around the cost savings, not projections, not, not you, you improve clinical outcomes, therefore you're likely. These are looking at medical and pharmacy claims and showing hard financial return on investment. So I did have a question on that. Matthew, give me one second. Um, on those results, uh, there has been some criticism on specifically some Livongo results, especially the, the claim that you make, which you kind of counter, ca contradict even within your own press release. You say you deliver an $88 per member um, you deliver an 88 per member saving, $88 per member saving, and that in that same press release you go down below and, and the sort of footnote is um, these financial results are associated with the use of the Livongo platform. So deliver, delivering a result shows sort of a causality associated by is not really causality. So how do you sort of explain that? Yeah, so we published an article in the Journal of Medical Economics. We've done work with Lilly in, in their research team to be able to publish that. We've worked with Milliman to establish a methodology. Whenever you're looking at cost data, um, we're a company that's been, been in existence for about four and a half, nearly five years. In order to look at cost data, you have to do something where you're looking at costs before someone launched your service compared to costs after, and then do that in matched like people who are using your service and who are not using your service. To run a randomized control trial and costs would take about two and a half years to be able to, to do that mm -hmm. when you look at medical and pharmacy claims giving the, the filing rates. And so this is, so in, in when you run a difference in difference um, analysis, it is the ec ec economic modeling to show whether or not something's making a difference. It is not a randomized control trial. Mm -hmm. And so the, the words that you use when you publish, you know, caused, resulted in, are, are reserved for randomized control trials. Mm -hmm. This is the most effective way to demonstrate um, ec economic outcomes mm -hmm. in a company that's been up and running for as long as we have. Perfect. Matthew. Uh, Jenny, uh, uh, I was just noting that your stock is up two and a half points today, but since you've been on stage, it's been down 50 cents. And uh, <laughs> Oh, Matthew, you didn't say that. that. That's not that question. <laughs> No. I, have a much, I have a much more basic question for the startups in the room and the others. You guys have probably, of all the people in the health tech, digital health realm, been the most successful mm -hmm. in going to the employers, building a big program quickly. But yet, um, when the S1 came out, all of us were surprised to find out how much of the business came through plans, PBMs, and others. Can you explain that relationship? So when you went to the employers and started selling stuff, how does it work working with their PBMs and their plans? Do you have to sell to both of them? So if you're a startup in the room trying to figure out getting the employer market, what, what would be, what, what was your experience and what would your advice be for that transaction? Yeah, sure. So the, my first advice is build a product that works, right? <laughs> um, and I say, no, but I say that because our product works. So if you look at our relationships with CVS and ESI, they both use our products for their employee population. CVS in Q3, we announced that we expanded not just from diabetes, but into hypertension and diabetes prevention. ESI, we're the preferred digital, digital provider for diabetes and hypertension and diabetes prevention. We're the only digital provider in something they call Healthcare 360, which is an outcomes-based model. 
And so when I say, um, you know, have something that works, find the partners, for us the benefit is between ESI and CVS that covers a ginormous, and that's a word I learned from my eighth grader, ginormous um, amount of um, people covered in the United States. And so it allows us the speed of contracting. Um, they have a vote of confidence to, to be preferred. You know, when you market preferred versus available, preferred is like a 4X greater way. It's a very important signal. Um, and allows us speed to market on the, on the piece of contracting. So I do think for startups in the room who are looking at entering the self-insured employer space first, and I, for many products, that's a great path. Um, really thinking through those channel partnerships, to your point, Matt, the, um, and, and navigating those PBMs, brokers, and consultants, right? But you have to build something that works, you have to demonstrate it, and then get them to use it, understand it, and that's a vote of confidence. So um, you were one of three, is there a question right there? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so my question is, um, what population or demographic has been the hardest to get a hold of, engage, and, and keep engaged? Um, it's a really great question. So when I look across, um, so the, I used to say when I, before I started the job, I thought, oh, great, Silicon Valley going to take care of worried well people who are going to take care of themselves anyway, <laughs> right? But it actually turns out when we look at the population, um, it's as though you randomly picked people from the CDC distribution of diabetes. So starting hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of control, you get the whole spectrum. And then I thought, okay, well, this is going to be a younger person, you know, Gen X. And it's not, because if you look at smartphone penetration, right, we all see where that's going. And so it, it's not, I don't have a class of people. What our machine, our AI, AI engine has been really great at learning is people respond to different messages at different points of their journey. Chronic conditions don't go away. If you're given a diagnosis of diabetes, even if you're not taking medications, you don't lose the diagnosis. And that diagnosis, particularly for type 2, progresses over time. And so that allows us to follow you to understand new meds, new complications. You have a child that's born. You might start to think about your health differently as a parent. You have a parent who dies. You might start to think about your health differently. And so there's a lot of different touch points that we then get to ch a chance to enroll. In our clients, we're getting data and enrolling every month. We're ongoing enroll enrollment. So I always say we have, at a single product line, we have net dollar expansion. We retain members, and we continue to add members for the life of that contract. There was another question there. Go ahead. Hi. Um, can you talk a little bit about mental health? So you guys made an acquisition in the space. Was that because of the high comorbidity with diabetes, or are you planning to tackle that depression as a separate disease? Yes and yes. <laughs> So we, we, the philosophy that we have is, we call it the whole person philosophy, and that means like the right little finger and the left little toe. It means all the conditions. Mental health is prevalent in people with chronic conditions at a higher rate than in the average population. And so in order to take care of people with chronic conditions, we had to address mental health as a part of that. As we've gone deeper and deeper, and we did acquire MyStrength about a year ago, um, the leading provider within the mental health space, we saw an asset that they had in conjunction with the assets that we had, similar to our, our partnership with Dexcom. We could bring the data science and the go-to-market channel, and they had built up an expertise within mental health and behavioral health that could really allow us to be best in class um, in that space, as well as wrap around in the chronic conditions. Let's talk a little bit about your IPO, which I'm sure there are many in the audience that want to get to that uh, spot. What are some of the takeaways uh, as a startup company that built a product that was successful enough to get to the IPO level? What were some of the lessons learned? 
Um, again, I think that at the end of the day, that it, it is um, why we have been successful, and we talk about this, we did our investor presentation earlier this morning, we started with the member video. We're obsessed, we're obsessed with the member. We're obsessed with providing something into the ecosystem that has value for people. If you do that, you will then create value for the company. So that has always been our founding, and we're really, we're, we continue to be obsessed with that. Um, that has allowed us to, again, get the virtuous business cycle where we're able to delight people, improve their health outcomes, and save costs. That has allowed us to scale. Um, in that process, an IPO event, why IPO at the time that we did? It was a great marketing. It's a great branding. We have 20% of the Fortune 500 clients are our customers. Right? And so we, we're, we want to be held to the same standard when you're a publicly traded company and you're dealing with another publicly traded company. There's different levels of security and information and that kind of, you kind of take that as a standard is a really great event for us. So uh, congratulations on that again. But it seems like the market is struggling to understand that value. I think you would ag agree that your stock could do much better than where it is right now. So what's the struggle in communicating that value to investors? Well, other than Matthew telling me that I made the stock go down for the first 30 <laughs> seconds I was on stage. <laughs> um, so I, I know and believe that we're building a, building a business that has value in the ecosystem. What we're doing is different. And it takes people a little bit of time to understand what's different. It takes people, it takes us working and educating in the marketplace, continuously educating, continuing to post wins across the board for people to both understand and believe what we're doing, why it's different. You know, the last uh, publicly reported quarters that we've had, we've both beaten raised. We've been, been performing and executing very well on our plan. And we could not be more excited. Um, we, you know, say all the time, we're not your stock price. You don't look at your stock price in the mirror. <laughs> we are building a company of value. We know that because we see customers that are continuing to stay with us and continuing to sign up. We have members who love the experience, who are getting healthier, and we are saving money. We have about 52 seconds left. Any questions at all? Left. Can you wait for the microphone, please? I have a question for you. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nine years ago, and um, she aspires to become a medical device salesperson for Dexcom, actually, when she graduates <laughs> from college next year. But I'm curious um, where that partnership with Dexcom might go in the future. Um, where do I think the partnership with Dexcom will go in the future? Again, I think that what we've been able to announce yesterday is just phase one. I really think there's incredible amount of joint synergy um, for us to identify and, and the, bring the right people on to CGMs in a way that's not possible for Dexcom, for us to leverage the Dexcom data and deliver outcomes and nudges to people that are not happening today. Um, and so I think that, you know, congratulations to your daughter. I, I'm a sugar sister, so I get that. Um, and there's a lot, there will be, I think, a lot of great opportunities for her to work in this space until we cure type one, which I think they'll happen in her lifetime. Thank you so much. Um, Matthew here helped us to entertain and I hope we informed and educated. So thank you again. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 330 companies, go to startuphealth.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.